Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. That team sure did suck last night. They just plain sucked. I've seen teams suck before, but they were the suckiest bunch of sucks that ever sucked. Steve Rosenblum. There was a keg stand. I lost to an 81-year-old lady. She got off the main <laughs> floor, and then, and, but I was, it was really close. Mark Grody. I've been waiting to get a hold of this guy for years. Yeah, like like Channel 2 News is out there interviewing people. Yeah, I've been talking to my wife about getting Steve. He wants connected my dots and more to my plate. I'm going to dunk his ass. They suck, so you don't have to. Can't you morons do anything right? Founding members of the WB Club. Smoke weed every day. The three words that describe this show, and I quote. Stink. Stank. Stunk. It's Saturday Suckage on the score. We should be 670 WSUK. Good morning, welcome in. Saturday Suckage. I'm Steve Rosenblum. I'm here. Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Let's see who else is here. What other suckage years have joined us. Let's take roll. Grobber. It sucks and it freebases. Don Cooper. If I think something sucks, I'll tell you it sucks. Jake Arietta. This sucks. Really, it does. Albert Almora. Damn, Willie, man, like, do we suck? Pat Fitzgerald. Sometimes you gotta embrace the suck. Eloy. Hey, you guys not gonna make anyway. You guys not suck. Hey, when when I got trade the next day, oh, welcome to the suck team. Toby. Oh my God, this sucks. Random Bears fan. Terry Morris! Finally made a list of somebody who thinks he sucks besides I do. Liam Hendricks. I wouldn't say seeking perfection, it's just mainly trying not to suck. Julie Swika. Man, that sucks. Wilson Contreras. Losing, losing suck, I tell you that, and, and that's all I can say. George Went. We had fun, uh, 
but there you go. I sucked. Garth Algar. Get it off, man! Get it off! It's sucking my will to live! Steve Dahl. This guy sucks! This guy sucks! Candace Parker. Um, I mean, it sucks. Cesar Perez. Hello, sir. Hey, dude, how are you? How's how's my producer doing today? I'm doing good. Ready for some uh, late season baseball talk, some uh, football talk. Let's get it going. <laughs> Welcome to Saturday Suckage, everybody. I suck so you don't have to. Caesar's alongside, so I guess I should say we suck so you don't have to. We're broadcasting live from the Hyundai Score Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealer, our phone number at the score, 312-644-6767. That'll get you to our listener line, powered by BetQL. Bet smarter and beat the books. Download the BetQL app today or visit BetQL.com. That number, 312-644-6767, also gets you to the score's text zone. The text zone is brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time, shop online at RosenHyundai.com. Bears Mondays this season, here's your reminder, presented by Horizon Therapeutics. The pregame show on the score, that'll be tomorrow morning with Molly, Patrick Manley, and Anthony Heron, presented by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. So today, today, we got so much going on. At 11.20, we will replay an interview with Chris Nowinski, concussion expert in the wake of what happened to Tua Tua in Miami, and he got bounced on his head, and he suffered a concussion again, a concussion again, and there is the threat of death inherent in the way he went about it. We will listen to him. He was on with Mully and Haw. Terrific stuff. And I'm going to tell you, if you like football, you really got to just shut up about what happened to Tua. That's kind of football. There's no way to make that game safe. We'll talk about that later. At noon, Ellis, he covers the Bears for 670 to score. Bears and Giants. The Bears play the Giants. Last week, they played the Texans. Oh, my God. This is the easy part of the Sox schedule. They're playing on the road. We'll see what the Meadowlands has, what Cam thinks about that. At 1220 or so, sometime this show, we will have another edition of Studzinski and Meatballs. Our ranting Bears fan will go off on whatever whatever he goes off on. Your Bears made a move moments ago. Mark Grody retweeted Brian McLaughlin, an agent for Vayner Sports. He is a football agent. Brian McLaughlin tweeted out, excited for my guy Mike Badgley, 15. Signing with the Bears. Mark Grody, who can't join us for what Mark heard, he's en route to New York where the Bears play the Giants tomorrow. Mark did manage to retweet, we shall see what this means for Cairo Cairo Santos on Sunday, who missed the last two days of practice for personal reasons. Mike Badgley will be kicking in a place that is not kind to kickers, the Meadowlands. He signed with the Clippers in 2018, made 93.8% of his field goals. That's his career best. He's been bad. He's been less than that ever since. However, last year, 12 games for the failing Colts, the choking Colts, 
he hit 85.7% of his field goals and 100% of his extra points on 39 tries. He's also kicked for the Tennessee Titans. One game, two extra points. He missed one of them. He had one point for the Titans in 2021. So that's where the Bears have a new kicker. The problem is the Bears have the same old quarterback. We need to talk about that. Same linebacker who seems pretty mouthy after beating a trash team when he got run over by a good team. The line, according to BetQL, they have a four-star pick. Bears at Giants under 39.5. That's what BetQL is circling, is squaring, is coloring in. They're highlighting the one game there they've given a force, the one total they've given a four star pick to right now. Bears and Giants under 39 and a half. So the Bears almost lost at home to the Titans. Crappy team. Now the Bears go on the road against a crappy Giants team. They're two and one like the Bears are. How much do you think the Bears deserve to be a kind of confident, dominant two and one team? Okay, maybe not. They've sucked out loud at the career at the quarterback position for decades. They continue to do it now. Justin Fields. So whatever the sample size is under his third system in three years, he's He's come out of a bad game against Green Bay. Sort of sounded fine and positive, then he stunk. Wednesday, when he talked to the media, he sounded kind of cliched after playing a lousy game against the Texans. And a little, they look at it differently. They didn't think he sucked as bad as we thought he sucked. He's, he took issue, he seemed to be upset that, well, no, I'm not hesitating. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing what you people say. Neener, neener, neener. And then I guess he's going to stick his fingers in his ear so he can't hear any of that. He seems to be, we discussed this last week, the double whammy. He is an Ohio State quarterback, and he's a quarterback chosen by Ryan Pace. None of them have been any good. And now he's a Bears quarterback. That would seem to complete the hat trick. You can debate whose fault it was on this and that. Luke Getze was debating that. But you got a guy who throws a ton of interceptions. He did last year. He does this year. He admitted he played like trash after the game. I played terribly, said. I guess the good news is the Giants have only three sacks and they have no interceptions. I suspect that Fields' incompetence, Fields' inability to play NFL football, Fields' inability to pull the trigger. Fields' inability to throw in a window. I don't think he knows what an open receiver looks like in the NFL. He's had drops. Cole Komet, what do you do for a living? He's had drops. The Bears are averaging. Brad Biggs compiled all this in just a damnable and indicting recitation of Justin Fields' inability to play. They're averaging 78.3 net passing yards. Last in the NFL. They are so far last that the second of the worst team has 161 points. Is averaging 161.3 yards compared to the Bears' 78.3.
The Bears' 8.9 interception rate is more than double that of 29 teams, Big Z notes. Big Z is a regular contributor to Molly Haw in the morning. His 10 thoughts on every Bears game is a an internet sensation. It spikes all over the place. Big Z goes on. The Bears' 28.2% sack rate per pass attempt is more than double that of 28 teams. I mean, they're sucking out loud all over the place. And he notes you can't blame protection on all 10 of the sacks. In fact, he points out, and this is where Fields and Getze and regular normal observers, sane observers disagree, Fields is responsible for half to, of, close to half of those. Protection breaks down. He can find open receivers. Well, no, he can't. There are open receivers. He can't find them. He can't let loose. You come out of Ohio State and you're used to just holding, holding. I can do this. I can run around. I'm not playing against as good athletes. Well, guess what? You're in the NFL. You're playing against better athletes than you've ever been. And that's what that's one of the things Justin Fields seems to be facing. According to the league's next-gen stats, none of Justin Fields' 45 pass attempts this season has been into a tight window. That kind of tells you he's not going to throw it into a tight window. He's not going to cut it loose. He's hesitant. Fields took exception to this, of course. You've got to listen to your feet, throw the ball on time. Well, that's the problem. Fields' feet are an issue. They worked on that. Luke Getzey was talking about that. His footwork is a problem. Throwing the ball on time just hasn't happened. And while... Fields disagrees and Getze disagrees. One thing you can see is this. They're running the ball to win. They're running the ball because that's the only way they can win. This is a quarterback they're winning in spite of. They're not winning with. They're not winning because of. They're winning in spite of Justin Fields right now. Not to say he can't change. But when they tell you that Luke Getze wants to tell you that he did so many good things right on that interception, right? Doesn't that seem like an oxymoron? What are these people watching? He did everything right. He didn't complete the pass. Isn't that the object of the exercise? Oh, look, great footwork. He found the guy and he was intercepted. Just because, here's what you got to remember. Just because it comes out of Hallis Hall doesn't mean it's right or true or has any credibility. I mean, just a short list. George McCaskey, Ted Phillips, Ryan Pace, Matt Nagy, Mark Tressman, so many Aaron Cromers and John Shoops. They all said stuff at Hallis Hall. And how'd that work out for everybody? So anyways, they're going to go into the Meadowlands, which is a tough place to kick. And the Bears have a new kicker, Michael Badgley, 15. That, was, it came, that became news just before the show started. And the quarterback's going to try to throw in those conditions. They're going to run. They're going to run the ball because that's what they do. They're going to run to win. I got no problem with running to win. I got no problem with Justin Fields right now being that the Bears are winning despite him because that's about as low as it gets. He has the rest of the season to show he can be something. And he has the rest of the season for Bears coaches, play callers, everybody 
teammates to show they're winning first with him and now because of him. Get the whole season to go. I dump on this guy a lot. He was a high draft pick. The Bears traded up for him. They're putting a lot into him until it comes time to play the game. Then they're putting nothing into him. They're afraid to. This has to be what you saw last week against a trash tax Texans team at home. They needed a field goal to win, an interception at, at the end, a field goal to win. They needed You needed a team that's worse than them to play worse than them, and they won not because of the quarterback, despite the quarterback. There's your bar. There's your low. That's what last week looked like to me. Next, I want you to listen to this interview, Chris Nowinski, a legend in concussion studies. He was on with Molly and Haw after Tua Tagovailoa was bounced on his head, suffered a second concussion in about three minutes. He will explain to you what's wrong with the NFL. He will ex- what he sees is wrong. I'm sorry. What he sees is wrong with the NFL. What he sees is a violation of certain human taking care of other humans. It's a terrific interview. It's a very important thing. And I will maintain now, and I'll take your thoughts on this afterwards, 312-644-6767. If you like football, you really can't yap about what happened to Tua because brain damage happens on every play, several times on every play in every NFL game. I'm Steve Rosenblum. Welcome to Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Nothing sucks like me trying to get sentences out. 224 Texas, so you said Badgley kicked for the Clippers and the Bears beat the Titans last week. This show sucks. All right. Every time I see LAC, I never think LA Chargers. I think LA Clippers. Michael Badgley, the new Bears kicker, replacing Santos, at least for tomorrow's game. He kicked for the Chargers. The Bears beat the Texans last week. 269 Texas is going to rain in New York Sunday, which I don't know. doesn't really matter. Justin Fields is sucked in rain and shine. And a... 219 texture. If Rosenblum was going to give his opinion and at least get the facts right, well, that's never been a part of Saturday Suckage. But this set texture says Fields has only been in the NFL for 20 games, not three years. He was drafted last year. Yes. He was drafted from Ohio State, and then he played for Matt Nagy, and now he plays for Luke Getze. Three systems in three years. There you go. That's how we count. That's how I count. You don't have to. And a texture 773 leads right into this interview with Chris Nowinski that Molly and Haw did. Thanks for what you're saying about football. Lots of hypocrisy in the media. Thanks for being real. I'm just saying this. I want you to listen to this interview. And I don't think you can, I don't think there's a soft landing here. If you like football, what happened to Tua on Thursday night, you just have to shut up about it. If you don't like football, don't watch, then you can rail against them. If you like football, this is what happens four, five, six, eight times on every play. Here's Chris Lewinsky, a legend in concussion studies, on with Molly and Haw on Friday morning. Yeah, otherwise we would have reported him having a head injury. I mean, that's, that's why the NFL has these protocols, and there's not 
like every single NFL game that is played, there's an independent specialist that specializes in the specialty of brain matter. So, yeah, the, um, for me, as long as I'm coaching here, if there's in, uh, you know, I'm not going to fudge that whole that whole situation if there's any any sort of inclination that someone has a concussion they go into the concussion protocol and it's very strict that's mike mcdaniel talking a big game i don't know that uh i don't know that we believe him after what we saw last night david and empty words empty words is right and we are delighted to welcome in chris nowinski he, of course, the co-founder and CEO of the Concussion Legacy Foundation. Um, Chris joins us now on the Signature Bank Score Hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Good morning, Chris. How are you? Uh, I uh, did not sleep much last night, and I'm very angry. <laughs> and, and, you know, I mean... There's no, there's no joy in in saying this, but you pretty much predicted this before the game started. You tweeted out your concern before the game started, and then we see uh, Tua being carted off the field. I, I got to tell you, I'm sure you take no joy in being right about that, but it it it, it just underscored how predictable that result was. Right. I mean, it's, it's absolutely true. You're talking about, you know, what percent of you know, 5% of quarterbacks each week are getting concussions anyway. So uh, you put a guy out there four days after a previous concussion, you may end his career just on that 5%. Plus, it's going to be easier to get a concussion. Plus, it's going to be much worse to have two in such a short period of time. Could be career-ending. Uh, and as you know, it ended uh, con- two concussions too close together. It ended my career and gave me permanent post-concussion symptoms. So the, the, the idea that someone 20 years later is going through the same stuff I did, except for back then I didn't tell them the truth, and we didn't have protocols. Now we have protocols, and uh, that we don't. The idea that this is still happening is just so frustrating and sad. It's great to talk to you, Chris. I wish you were under different circumstances, but you are the person who has invested so much and devoted so much of your time in your life to awareness about this and, and, and improving the game and the conditions. And then let's start there. There's so much to get to. But I think that, to me, Mike McDaniel postgame, talking about this and not even defending himself, but talking about this and saying about Tua, he, quote, doesn't have anything more serious than a concussion. So much there because I think it just it reflects how yeah. little – concern there is it's just a a concussion is very serious and that to me showed just what was part of the problem here yeah nothing more serious than a concussion he needs to change his vocabulary nothing more serious than a traumatic brain injury i mean you i mean frankly if you saw how he fell like there was no one worried he broke his neck all right they had to backboard him because that's policy but the worst possible thing was a brain injury and he had that uh, and for him to also say, if you're worried about a concussion, we're not putting a guy back in. Like, I don't think that happened on Sunday because uh, Tua showed five unique signs of a concussion on that hit on Sunday where he grabbed his helmet. He, he, he took bad steps when he got up. Um, he shook, his, shook off the cobwebs, which is a very specific sign of concussion and visual problems. Uh, then he fell, and then his teammates had to hold him up so he wouldn't fall again. 
the, the protocol is supposed to be there. The doctor is supposed to look at the video. And I do not know how a doctor looks at that video and doesn't say, oh, that's definitely concussion, no matter what the player tells him. Players are on, uh, after they retire, players are very honest about how much they lie and try to distract doctors because they're in the heat of the moment. They just had a brain injury. They're not thinking straight. Um, they can't feel the brain injury, and the doctor's job is to stop them. And the fact that the doctors not only didn't stop them to put it back in the game, but then nobody forced them to sober up on Monday or Tuesday and say, oh, God, that was a concussion. We're putting in the protocol. You shouldn't play Thursday. Like, that's a failure by the NFL. That's a failure by the leadership. I, I, the idea that there was an investigation that they didn't finish before he had to play on Thursday uh, is absurd. And so, you know, they literally like risked the guy's life, played Russian roulette with his future. Uh, and the reason I tweeted that before the game was simply because I saw the NFL promoting the game, which means they're, they're promoting Tua versus Joe. And they're complicit in this. They were trying to make money uh, knowing that a guy was going out there with a concussion too soon. And, you know, I mean, I, I think hopefully they're learning something from this, but they didn't have to learn this lesson. Uh, we all knew this. And this is just um, – I just, it's a tragedy. It's just a, a real tragedy, and let's hope Tua doesn't have his career ruined, or let's hope in 20 years he's not suicidal, or whatever can happen from brain injuries down the road. And, and you know, we talked this morning about culpability, about, you know, the, the, the owner of the Dolphins is already suspended, so you can't really go after him. The general manager would be someone you'd want to talk to. You'd want to talk to the coach. You'd want to talk to the player. You'd want to talk to the league. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how far-reaching culpability gets. But it seems like the very fact that this could happen with these protocols in place indicates the protocols aren't working. The protocols aren't working. The training's not there. It's a cultural problem. Like the belief isn't there. You know. I mean, let, let, I mean just think about the NFL's culture. Right? They now know that this game causes chronic traumatic encephalopathy, right? And they now know that we've studied nearly 400 NFL players at Boston University led by Ann McKee, and they know that nearly all of them have had CTE, and, and they've died horrible, horrible deaths, okay? And this NFL, who knows that, is still spending tens of millions of dollars a year to recruit your children to put on a helmet at five years old, not because they think they'll be future NFL players, but they know they'll be bigger fans if they've played the game, understand the rules, and tried on those costumes. And so this, this is, a, this is uh, an NFL who is not I, – I mean, let, let's be frank. They are not uh, being good citizens. <laughs> and and, and they can, we can use much darker terminology for the, uh, what they are spreading through, through our culture – uh, in the way they promote this game and recruit children to get a game that causes a brain disease. So I think we're all curious, Chris, to find out you know, it, what the punitive result of this will be and who will be held accountable. But I also think, though, there's got to be some sort of practical response to this in, in terms of the concussion protocol during games and having you know, the independent certified athletic trainers. How independent are these people making these evaluations and decisions if you were to recommend something that would change the process so things like what happened uh on sunday frankly don't happen again or last night uh, don't happen again where would you start uh, you know it's, it's a great question because you would think that we'd, we'd try to plug every hole in the protocol because every year that weaknesses have been found and adjustments have been made and this this wasn't a protocol issue this was a human error 
and this was, but this was a cultural issue because any of those coaches or owners of the Dolphins should have been able to diagnose with their own eyes to his concussion. The fact that they didn't step in and err on the side of concussion makes them complicit in this whole thing. Like, I, I guess a doctor can make a mistake once in a while, but the whole point is that the rest of us are here to help them. This was a concussion that happened in front of 20 million people, and everybody saw the video worldwide, and everybody knew they had a concussion, apparently, but the Dolphins, right, and but the NFL. So, I, 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 I mean, the NFL may be unstable at this point. And, and you remarked on the punishment. Let's also be clear, like, nothing's going to give two of those brain cells back, right? Nothing is going to decrease the risk of him having long-term problems. What's going to happen now is we're going to have punishment theater, where the, the NFL, like, like, just when we have, like, our suspensions for, you know, uh, people who get inappropriate massages, they love media love, the NFL loves when the media covers the punishment theater. And so Roger Goodell's come out and make some, some big statements that sound important and they'll probably overcorrect and, like, take away draft picks or something that'll really piss everyone off. It'll make everyone feel satisfied. And the reality is that's, that's nothing. That's just theater. That's pro wrestling as a former pro wrestler. The problem is that this is an organization that does not appear to care about the long-term health of their players. And it's something we've known for a long time, and maybe some of us forgot it, but this is the best example yet that uh, we cannot trust the NFL. And, and what I will say we should learn from this is do not trust the NFL with your children. Okay. So when they are recruiting you with nice commercials with Peyton and Eli Manning, who are so fun, uh, they're recruiting your children to a game that will give some of them a brain disease that will destroy their lives. They need to get out of that game. And I am going to make sure Roger Goodell hears that from me personally, um, you know, next month or this month, what month is it? But yeah, that's how I feel. Uh, you know, uh, it's fascinating to think about, Chris, because I think that there are people that just want to protect the league and want to keep the league operating and running. And and yet when they do this, all they do is undercut the league and, and make it more likely that more people are going to want to stop it. So it seems like having protocols in place will only work if people are willing to follow them. And it and I'm talking about coaches and general managers and, and you, you know, you mentioned independent doctors connected to this. Players, right? Wasn't there supposed to be a, a, like a, a, if you see something, make drop a dime on it or that sort right, of thing? Right. The player yeah. himself. I, I just don't, I don't understand how you can end up with almost like a conspiracy of silence here. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I mean, you know, and, and let's also be true. I say football builds character. There was no character anywhere to be found in this entire situation. And they put a guy who had a brain injury out there to get another one just to boost ratings. Uh, and and we, I do not blame Tua at all. It's, it's completely normal to want to play. He doesn't, uh, you know, you, you can't, when your brain is injured, you're going to make bad decisions. That's a fact. Um, so there's no blame on Tua. This is the system. The system is supposed to protect him, and the system didn't protect him. And, and unfortunately, this is just like the one millionth example of the system being broken. Talking with Chris Nowinski, the founder of the Concussion Legacy Foundation here on The Score. So, Chris, let's talk about the culture for a little bit because I do think awareness it helps people understand what's going on here. And last night, among the fails, I think, was watching the halftime show and having how this was being discussed. Now, they rallied post-game and they did a better job, but the Amazon production – I think left a lot to be desired when it when it came to addressing this issue, asking the right questions, and processing the news story as it happened. 
You run workshops for reporters. You you advise people yep. how to discuss this and how this should be handled in the media. What did we learn from last night in that regard? Well, I, I, I'll, I'll be very frank about this. You know, we just did training for uh, TSN's uh, Canadian Football League reporters. Basically, like we can get to most reporters and train them. Uh, we did the training for Major League Baseball reporters, uh, broadcasters, play-by-play people. Uh, the one people we can't get to is the NFL people because the NFL announcers are completely scared to death of saying anything wrong because they know the NFL will toss them out on the street. Uh, and, you know, and, and, and we all thought Bob Costas was untouchable. And Bob Costas made one wrong statement after creating this broadcaster training with us, Bob Costas without a covering the NFL. And so I, I would say that what you are seeing on NFL broadcasts but to be perfectly frank, there's a, there's a few people, like Andrea Kramer's been very helpful in, in her work, and she's on the Amazon crew, and I know she said the right things as she was covering this, but there's a lot of cowardice out there from those broadcasters not willing to report what we all see. They're scared to death to use the concussion word before the NFL tells them they can, and so they, what they're sending is wrong messages through the television to our children because they're not acknowledging what we're all seeing. They'll happily call a knee injury a knee injury. That's a knee injury. That's a shoulder injury, whatever it is. They will not say brain injury. Um, and, and so we're just all getting dumber watching NFL games. And, uh, you know, I, I once had hope that some of these broadcasters would have some guts. And, and, I, and I was very impressed that people like Bob Costas did. And they showed they sh- the NFL very purposely showed people that no one is untouchable and stay in line. And so now we get that re- ridiculous statements we had last night uh, about the injury. Chris, I just want to read you this. This is from Thomas Jones, the former Bears running back. He went on Twitter this morning and said, NFL players are warriors and are willing to sacrifice our minds, bodies, souls for this game, especially when we're playing well and winning. But some of these trainers have to step in and say no, especially with concussions, because trust me, when we retire, no one gives a blank about us. Yeah, well said. Uh, he's right. I mean, we, again, we, they, they train us to run through walls and destroy our bodies, and then they're not there to help us once it's done. And, and people have to be honest about that. So, um, that, they, I mean, this, what they did to Tua is like knowing somebody is, is drunk. And the guy, the guy said, but I want to drive home. And you go, well, you, you told me you did, so that's fine. I gave you the keys, and you go kill you. Know, you go die in a car crash. And, you know, and I mean, that's basically what they did. We're just lucky that Tua didn't die. But, you know, since it happened, I, you know, had some re- a reporter reach out to me to share a story about a kid who even took two weeks off. A high school football player, I think, I think in Illinois, took two weeks off and came back and had a, what looks like second impact syndrome. Like, it happens. It really happens. People do die. The kid's still in a coma. Uh, you can find it on my Twitter, Chris Nowinski one. But uh, you know, I appreciate you guys raising awareness about this. I'm actually at the National Academy of Sciences in DC at a traumatic brain injury meeting, so I got to go hop back into it. All right, guys. Thanks so much, Chris. Really appreciate it. Appreciate your time. All right, take care. Thanks, Thank guys. Take care. Chris Nowinski on with uh, Molly Haw. I'm sorry. If you like football, if you love the game, shut up. That's it. There's some kind of brain trauma on every play, and brain trauma times five linemen and, and a receiver and a tight end and a defensive back and a linebacker, and it happens on every play. The game is all about it. And you listen to Mully and Hot talk and Chris Nowinski talk and Thomas Jones doesn't want the adults, the player. The player needs to accept responsibility. Advocate for yourself. You're good enough to go out there or you're not. And once you decide you're going out there, you're taking the risk. 
if you love football, if you love playing football, if you're going to let your kids play football, shut up. There's no safe way. There's no way to protect your brain in football. If you can't figure out who to blame in this, blame the game. Occam's razor. Start at the middle of that. I'm Steve Rosenblum. This is Saturday Suckage. If you would like to have, if you have a thought on what Chris Nowinski said, what you saw of Tua, what you think of the incident and the NFL's response, 312-644-6767. They're going to play football. They're going to keep playing football. The NFL is going to rule everything. And Studzinski and Meatballs will be coming your way in the next segment. There's a name you should watch for White Sox manager. There's best thing I heard this week, second best thing I heard this week, and there's the worst retirement story I ever came across short of death. I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Oh, well, we, we are Saturday Suckage, and we have a call from O'Hare Airport. Caller, you're on the score. Um, do you know where H-17 is? We're looking for H-17. It's my gate. Has anybody seen H-17? Find this. Find the Starbucks, and how did you get through TSA? <laughs> hey, so here I have a nifty little thing called preset, believe it or not. So I'm, I'm what you call a preferred customer. Yeah, I'm a preferred customer. This is Mark Grody. Mark Grody is calling from the O'Hare Airport. Joining us on the Score Hotline, presented by Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And I went—I thought you'd be in the air, and here you are calling. And what do you? What's up, Mark Grody? As you prepare for tomorrow's Bears game in the Meadowlands with a new kicker, why don't you update us and, and tell share with the class what you know about the Bears changing kickers? Yeah, the for people who are way behind, and uh, you're not because <laughs> this has all sort of been happening as the end of the week went down on Thursday this week, or um, the Thursday, yeah, Thursday. Cairo Santos popped up on the injury report. A little bit surprising. As a matter of fact, I'll take you even before that. In the glimpse that we get of the practice, two thirds of the the Bears cooking system was out there. You had long snapper, you had punter. Uh, and I'm going to give credit to my colleague and yours, Brad Biggs, for I'm standing next to him, kind of away from everybody else, and he's looking at me going, have you seen Cairo? And I go, no. And I, I really, honestly, I hadn't even really thought about it, because obviously Biggs was doing the full attendance uh, look. And I'll be damned if he didn't show up on the injury report as a personal reason. And then he was, again, on the injury report yesterday, personal and questionable for the, the game on Sunday against the New York Giants. So that said, um, agent Brian McLaughlin tweeted today, excited for my guy, Mike Badgley, 15 signing with the Bears. So the Bears reportedly, now multiple sources are saying that the Bears have indeed signed Mike Badgley to 
be a kicker for the Bears. Now, this is not does not necessarily mean that Tyrell Santos won't be available. It just means that the Bears are doing the prudent thing and that is to protect themselves in case Tyrell Santos isn't there. And in a year where the Bears are not going to run away from anybody on the scoreboard, <laughs> Tyrell Santos becomes, you know, just becomes, if you're interested yeah. in Bears wins this year, as we found out last week against Houston, you should be very interested in hearing that the Bears might not have Tyrell Santos on Sunday against the Giants, and that would be tomorrow. Okay, so so let me backtrack a bit. Let me get your thoughts on this, as we would do if you were part of Saturday Suckage, which you are. It's um, You're part of the show. You're on the show. You're not on the show, but you are on the show now. Um, the, the Texans last week, the Giants this week. So this is the easy part of the Sox schedule. And we have just <laughs> Justin Fields. We have Justin Fields not having any clue what he's looking at not knowing what real criticism to take. And we have a lot of, we have the Bears showing you by their actions, we're not going to win because of the quarterback. We're not even going to win with them. We're going to win despite the fact that he's our quarterback. To me, last Sunday, needing an interception at the end, needing Santos to kick at home to beat a trash team, that was the low point. And I think this is where you judge... Justin Fields, this is a good start. This is not the death knell for Justin Fields. This is the bottom. This is when you see him climb up for winning with him and then the Bears winning because of him, and you've got the rest of the season. You've got 14 games, which used to be a full season. You've got 14 games to figure this out. That's why I contend last week was actually you won a game in which your quarterback sucked, and he sucked all year. But this perspective through this prism, a bit of a Stevie Sunshine-ness, that's the way I'm looking at it. What do you think of that? Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I also think that we have to hold Bears offensive coordinator Luke Getze to what he has said. And he has, he has completely dismissed the idea that they don't trust him and that they're afraid yeah. to go to him in big situations, and that's why they're going to run the ball a thousand times a game, which, my God, in about the third year of the Matt Nagy year, everybody would have been loving. Uh, but right now, everybody is saying it, it is pretty amazing how, how 281 rushing yards essentially got pushed under the rug last week. That's amazing to me and understandable at the same time because it's clear that what fans are doing right now is watching for Justin Fields' development. I gotta say, it's it's the, the patience that Bears fans have shown in terms of winning is amazing because I think most Bears fans are still befuddled by Justin Fields and him not showing progress. That that's the that's the big problem with Fields. Not that he he hasn't come out and been a superstar or even really good. It's just you're not seeing progress in terms of the things that you really want him to do. What you really want Justin Fields to do is throw the ball down the field with consistency. You don't want to see him running a lot. You don't want to see him handing off 40 or 50 times a game. You just don't want to see that. Now, back to the original premise, I think that we have to hold Luke Getty to what he said in that he's going to do what he has to do in games to win. That's what he's saying, at least. And Mm -hmm. he has seen the running game as a way to win. But there's going to be games, and maybe this is the game where (laughs) you're going to have to win the game 
because of the quarterback. And who was it? It was Cole Komet last week who had the, the best, or it was after this game, had the best quote of anybody on the Monday after the win over Houston. Cole Komet said, and he even prefaced it by saying, I hope this doesn't sound selfish, but I want us to win games because of the offense. I want us to win games because of me. Um, and, you know, he called it selfish because he doesn't want to take away from what the defense has done and what the running game has done. But Cole Komet has been watching this for a long time from when he was a kid and now as you know, third year in the NFL, he wants to be part of a special offense. And I think that everybody's a little angst ridden for that right now. All right. We need to continue this discussion. We will do this next week when you're not in line at, at whatever you're in line to get through gate H17. So safe travel and uh, remember to turn your flight, return your flight attendant to her locked and upright position. Okay. <laughs> I will. And there's like a big bar party going on in front of me right now. I might do a little bit of mingling and just meet some of the, some of the folks here at O'Hare. So have a great day. All right. There you go. There he is. There's Gopher. He's just going to be the, the cruise director, Mark Rohde. From O'Hare, flying to New York, he'll be reporting for WBBM, AM and FM, 780 AM, and he'll be uh, on the sidelines for Jeff Joniak and Tom Thayer, be reporting for The Score as well on both free game shows. Take a break. When we come back, we will talk with Cam Ellis. Covers the Bears for 670 The Score. We'll see what he thinks about what the Bears have developed so far. They're 2-1. and one. What is the likelihood of being 3-1 and one after tomorrow, and what kind of 3-1 and one will it be? I'm Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Suckage, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome in, welcome back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Welcome in, Suckageers. We are going back to the Score Hotline. Guests join us. On the Score Hotline, presented by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. Joining me now is Cam Ellis. He covers the, the Bears for 670 The Score. You can find him at 670thescore, odyssey.com, 670thescore. Cam, thanks for joining me today. Share with the class your headline, Bears crises are in the eye of the beholder. That's all we talk about are crises. They always start with a quarterback. So, explain, Lucy. <laughs> um, I just think it's interesting where the Bears already find themselves after, like, what, three games? Like, it is it, – I don't think there's a huge – you know, I, I think there are people – there are plenty of people out there who, rightfully so, are sort of panicked about, you know, the old quarterback thing happening going on here. Um, and I don't think it's quite there yet, but, but, but I do find – I find the dynamic of the Bears interesting right now in that there does seem both in action and then in some words to be this sort of deference from the idea that this year is about developing Justin Field. And I find it interesting that there's this sort of weird pivot into, hey, we're just going to win every single game the way we need to win. And that's not wrong. It's just not necessarily the tone that I think a lot of people were expecting coming into the year. And I get that, you know, you're trying to win every game always and, and, you know, everything is possible when you have a winning record, but it's just, it's, it feels like a weird place for the bears to be where like I wrote, it already sort of seems like this year 
is a choice between, you know, winning three or four extra games or developing Justin Fields. Well, it, I looked at last week and thought they they clearly won despite bad quarterbacking. They won right. because, despite Justin Fields. They need to get to the point where they win with him, and then they need to get to the point where they win because of him. That is mm-hmm. that's part of the that's the arc. So with 14 games left, with essentially what used to be a full NFL season, just ask the Dolphins, a full <laughs> regular season, 14 and 0. And they have enough time. Justin Fields has enough time. The Bears offense has enough time. I don't think I don't I would like to get to the end. You're never going to get to the end when you are looking at whatever kind of growth that is. It's never linear. It's never immediate. Rarely is it immediate. Maybe it is in some cases. So I took that optimistic view, hopeful view, and I don't know why they have to, why, if every game is a referendum on Justin Fields throwing the ball 80 times, don't defensive quarters know that? And don't they know that, he's going to look even worse and the bears know he's going to look even worse. So I'm, I, I kind of want to take a breath at this point. And that's the way I look at it. Is there anything to what I said, or is it missing the point of whatever has Justin Fields already missed a, a turnoff here in this, in this freeway to, to greatness? No. Yeah. I, I think you make a lot of, you know, excellent and valid points. Um, I, I don't blame anyone for being fatigued. You know, the, the, the way with, the, I think that's maybe more of a, a comment on just how we ingest NFL news, right? Like I think we could all just take a break from the NFL one day a week and we'd be fine and maybe better for it. Like, so we should just say Wednesdays, <laughs> um, maybe that's Wednesdays funny. we just, we just don't talk about football and I think everyone would probably feel a little more sane at the end of the week. Um, but no, I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's very, I think, you know, I would, if I had to pick a side, I would right now, I would still choose a side of patience because it has been three games this season and what, like 14, 15 games for fields overall. I, you know, I don't like the Josh Allen conversation because Josh Allen was not, you know, Josh Allen was the exception, not the rule. And so the idea that, you know, Justin Fields is going to, you know, flip the switch and all of a sudden be an all-pro level quarterback after being statistically the worst quarterback in football the last year and a half is not probably going to happen. But I don't, I don't blame. I, that's, that's sort of, you know, the worst place to sit is on the fence. But that's where I sort of am right now in that I don't, I don't think that there's a huge crisis and the Bears need to go draft a quarterback with, you know, pick one. Uh, round one, pick four next year, but 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 I do I don't blame people for being upset about the panic because this is something where you need to wait it out, and I, it's weird because everyone was on board with waiting this season out going into the year, and it's just so funny to be like <laughs> what a couple a couple wins will do um, because all of a sudden people are going oh I don't have the patience for this anymore we need we need Justin Fields playing well right now and like that that sort of attitude didn't exist in training camp. People were on board with it. So I, I, I don't think this debate is actually going to be around much longer. Like I imagine by the time the wins versus field development gets really juicy, like it won't matter because the bears will be four or five games under 500. Um, but I don't blame anyone for being in, um, for being sort of upset with the, with the impulsive nature of NFL fans, because it, it is a lot to deal with that. And it does sort of, 
it has a, it has a feeling of losing the forest through the trees, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, exactly right. If you're, if you're going to spend, if this season is all about the growth and development of Justin Fields, then it still is. We, we have mm-hmm. right. 14 yeah. weeks, 14 games to go over the next 15 weeks. And because they don't face any good quarterbacks except for Aaron Rodgers and one other, and they really face a whole bunch of suckage, they, and they're, they're winning games because they're winning games. They're beating the trash teams, and they, mm-hmm. you know, they're playing the Giants this week. So there's, this season is still about that, but you have to let the season play out. I'm in favor of that. To this point, and small sample size, three games in, give me a couple of the happy surprises for you, what you may not have expected that you're getting, that you're seeing, the, the, the surprises, the Bears, maybe they knew, we didn't. Where are you on, on the good stuff? Yeah, I think there are. You know, I think the sort of weird silver lining of the season is there is a more good stuff than I think most people expected. You know, I on a pers- on a sort of individual level, I think Khalil Herbert's the guy. You know, I, I Dave Montgomery is a starting caliber NFL running back in this league, but I think Khalil Herbert is maybe even a step above that. You know, I think he is a real real player who has a chance to be really impactful. Um, on a more Large scale level, I've been really pleasantly surprised with how much buy-in there is. You know, I, I am I am a little more skeptical and cynical of coach speak than I think a lot of people may be. And you know, I was I'm sort of out on hits and commemorative T-shirts and game balls like that. That stuff doesn't really do it for me, and I don't really quite understand the motivational tactic behind it. But it seems to be working. Like I, you talk to Bears players after the games, and they they talk about practices and they talk about what they're hearing at practice in a way that wasn't really a conversation when Matt Nagy was around. Like the, 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 there seems to be a, a real successful and useful pipeline between what the coaches are preaching in terms of you know attitude, but also schematics and what the players are you know bringing into the games. You know, I talked to a bunch of offensive linemen last Sunday, and they all talked about very specific teaching points and styles of, of implementing lessons that are really work. You know, after the first week, um, the, the week one win against the 49ers, Eddie Jackson was talking about how it actually wasn't that crazy on the field because everyone sort of knew where they had to be. And, and there was a sense of calmness to the team, even when those conditions, because of they were so comfortable within their game plan and within their roles. So I am encouraged by the buy-in. And like you said, small sample size, you know, I, I think it's really easy to buy in when you win at two out of every three games. Like, I'll buy into anything if, you, if it makes you win at a 66% rate. But I think that being able to buy into what sort of felt like cheesy high school coaching and having it, having, having it work so far has been a pleasant surprise. You know, when they have to play, you know, the Bills and the Eagles and the Packers, you know, in three out of four weeks in December, we'll see how much that buy-in still exists. But, you know, you, you, take, you take the wins when you can get them, so to speak. And I think that the Bears, it seems like a team that is really interested in what Matt Eberflus has to say and seems to believe that it's not just sort of fluff. And, 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 it, and it does seem to be paying off so far, at least. Cam, I think you make 
I mean, connecting the dots on your points is is well done because I think there's a reason there were so many young players on this roster. It's not just part of a rebuild. My eyes rolled like yours did too. I think I may have pulled an eye muscle rolling my eyes hearing the <laughs> hits principle again and again and again. But if this is your job, if you're a football player and you're young and you're not Robert Quinn and you don't want to, and I'm not saying he's doing any, he's dogging it or anything like that, but he's been around enough coaches. If you haven't and you're desperate to stay in the league, there's a reason young players will listen to what everything a coach says. But that, abutted by the fact that the coaching itself, the where they're aligned, what they're being told, what the coaches see, what the coaches have shown them in film, how they are told to, to told and coach how they are to approach the game, and that it played out, whether it's blocking or as the defensive players were saying, we knew we had this because we were told this was coming. That is critical in a town where we love to run coaches out after a bad quarter. Right. Yeah, I no, that's... I think that's, I was going to say, I think that's exactly right. I think it's, it's such a refreshing change of pace to just hear what you're going to get and then see it play out, right? Like, I feel like during the Matt Nagy era, we just kept hearing about this amazing next-level offense and what Matt Nagy was going to do, and, and it was sort of always this this tease and this sort of false hope. So it is, it's been real encouraging, at least for me, at least, to see I uh, hear the reputation of Matt Eberflus as a guy who coaches smart, simple, you know, fundamentally sound football, and then see that immediately. That That is something that Bears fans, I think, uh, have been wanting for, even without the quarterback stuff for quite a while. So uh, before I let you go, I, I, I got to ask, um, Cole Komet, I, I have more, a lot more patience with Justin Fields. He's more important. Cole Komet, I don't know what he does around here. What would you say you do around here as they said in office space? What um, where he, are you he, on your Cole Komet patience o meter? So I am I'm pretty out on Cole Komet. I have been out on Cole Komet for probably about a year, year and a half now. You know, I, I saw, you know, people much smarter than me talk about how good he is at blocking now. I I don't know. Like the um he, maybe he is a point zero zero eight, you know, estimated play average above the standard tight end blocking. I, good for him. I, I don't he was brought in to be a, a a dynamic weapon in the passing offense and he has not been a part of that. You know, the things that people said he did well at the collegiate level he have not really translated. You know, he's 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 not this guy who has decent hands and good body control and can sort of run in the open field. None of that ever sort of happened. He's not really a red zone threat. I, I know that tight ends take a long time to develop, but I just, I don't know how many, you know, two reception, 12 yard performances people need to see before it's time to sort of, I think anyone else at any other position at this point would probably be facing some question marks. And I think if Cole Komet didn't grow up where the bears practice, he would probably be, be playing facing more question marks like i think he uh, he he benefits from the hometown slack just about as well as anyone does um but but i i don't think i don't think there's a huge future there i i think the bears are probably gonna try and find a tight end number one in the draft next year because i just i don't even see real development i, I just see a guy who has sort of been the way he has basically since he came into the league and that's not a good thing. Cam, thanks no, for your not, time. Yeah. I, I, I appreciate it. Thanks for your insights. Thank you. Of course. Have a good one. I'll talk to you later. 
All right, Cam Ellis. He covers the Bears for Odyssey.com, 670thescore.com. We'll take a break. When we come back, got a lot to do before we get out of here before Cubs pregame. So here's what I want to do. I want to bring you the best story I heard this week, the second best story I heard this week, the worst retirement story, last last game story I heard that came to light. This was There was an anniversary of that. And a name you Sox fans should uh, don't sleep on for your next manager. Steve Rosenblum, Saturday Sucker, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Steve Rosenblum, it's Saturday Suckage on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Welcome and welcome back. Suckage years. White Sox fans, a name, don't sleep on this name. Your next manager, perhaps, Walt Weiss. He is the Braves bench coach. When you heard Steve Stone bring up on the score emphatically, when he declared Bruce Bochy, hey, there's a name, there's a guy, you're talking about the Sox leaning on, looking for, going after a veteran guy. Bruce Bochy, three rings. He's sort of the Joel Quenville of baseball without the despicable, <clears throat> the depraved background. And Bruce Bochy seems to want to get back in it. So he won three World Series with the Giants every other year. The Giants did that kind of stuff. Walt Weiss is a Braves bench coach, defending champions. Again, they had a crappy first half of the year, and here they are rolling again. He managed the Rockies 2013 to 2016 with a 437 winning percentage. I don't know. Maybe he's the next Tito Francona. So anyways, that was brought up by Ken Rosenthal. If you're going to bring up, Sox managers are going to talk Joe Espada or A.J. Pruszynski when it's clear Steve Stone's telling you they're going to go with a veteran. Walt Weiss is serious right behind Bruce Bochy. All right. Here is the best story I came across this week. It happened last night, late last night. Cal Raleigh's in the batter's box. He's a Mariners catcher. He's a left-handed bat hitting for power. The White Sox didn't know you were allowed to have that. It's the bottom of the ninth, counts three and two. There are two outs. It's a 1-1 game against the A's. The Mariners' magic number to get into the playoffs for the first time in 21 years is one. Here's Dave Sims. The pitch from Acevedo. That is, look, your backyard dreams. That's He just lived it. According to Sarah Lang, Slang's on sports, he's the first player to clinch, a, clinch his team a playoff spot with a pinch hit walk-off home run. Come on. This is what you do playing a wiffle ball. He just did it in a major league game at home. Mariners are in the playoffs. Second best story I heard this week was Jason Hayward reliving Game seven, the rain delay. Whatever you think about Jason Hayward, you heard him on the score inside the clubhouse with Bruce Levine and David Haw. It was a terrific interview. He is, he's a man you follow. He's a leader. He's got, when he's got something to say, it makes a difference. And every player in that room said it, that Jason Hayward during the rain delay owned those 17 minutes. They pointed directly to him. 
And Jason Haywards was describing about what what he saw, the scene he saw. There's Chapman in tears. He given up the home run to Rajai Davis. Suddenly it's a tie game. They're going to extra innings. And Jason Hayward described this week, his last week as a Cub. Today he will be honored. But here's what he was talking about for that speech, the way he talked to his teammates. Yeah, I felt like that was probably the first time I had seen everyone just not really having much to say. Everyone kind of being dumbfounded a little bit, being, being down, and rightfully so, because of all the weight of you know, the curse, because it's game seven, because we're not at Wrigley, because they have a lot of momentum. You know, a lot of things did not go our way at one time, and it would have been very easy to just say, all right, you know, we gave it a hell of a run. Now let's, let's go see what happens. And to me, we had a moment. I didn't know how long it was going to be, but I saw it's raining. I was like, man, I got to say something. I, I got to remind these dudes like of, of how I see them because they're amazing. They're, they're gladiators, and through every up, every down in that season, it didn't matter. Like We always had an answer, and it was to laugh at it, have fun with it, talk to each other, you know, see who would come out on top, and then you know, praise the people that came through in that game that night. Praise the guy that came through in the game the next night. It was someone different every night, every series for us. So just needed uh, a reminder. Yeah, you reminded them. You know, it's just like that's that's a little understated at the end. And sorry, when I hear the stuff about Jason Hayward and and the speech he gave, I can't help but think of this Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks in Miracle, and this is a chance to play one of the best movie moments of all time. Great moments are born from great opportunity. And that's what you have here tonight, boys. That's what you've earned here tonight. One game. If we played them 10 times, they might win nine. But not this game. Not tonight. Tonight, we skate with them. Tonight, we stay with them. And we shut them down because we can. Tonight, we are the greatest hockey team in the world. You were born to be hockey players. Every one of you. And you were meant to be here tonight. Their time is done. It's over. I'm sick and tired of hearing about what a great hockey team the Soviets have. Screw them. This is your time. Now go out there and take it. I love that. That's one of the all-time great Kurt Russell as Herb Brooks. And it sounds so Hollywood. And it was done in Hollywood. And it was done by Disney. You think, 
this is just a whole bunch of Hollywood. You're going to get diabetes from watching this. And Jack O'Callaghan played on that team. He was in that room. And four other players were asked to write down, were asked by the makers of the movie, write down what you remember before the game, what Herb said. All five wrote virtually the same thing. That speech. Born to be hockey players. I love that. Okay, so there's Jason Hayward as Herb Brooks. So this week, in in earlier worlds, mark the end of the NF, of the major league season. In 1962, this is brought to you by Jay Daniel, who describes himself as a baseball obsessed author, husband, and father. University of Mer- Missouri Press will put out his Suds series book next year. He pointed this out. This may be the worst career ending for anyone who lived through it. This is not somebody who died in the to end a career, but. September 30th, 1962, a New York Mets player. Understand, this was the Mets of the 62 Mets, those Mets, the Mets that then and still do hold the record for most losses in the season, 120 losses. Mets catcher Joe Pignatano was concluding his eight-year big league career, and he did it by hitting into a triple play in his final at bat. (laughs) I know so many things about the 62 Mets. I did not know that. That just adds to the lore of one of the all-time great teams with a whole bunch of 20-game losers. Joe Pignatano concluded his career by hitting into a triple play in his final at bat for the team that would hold the record for losses in a season. That still stands. That is just so special. All right. Uh, we have saved the the Studzinski and Meatballs part for the, the, the rant from our favorite Meatball Bears fan for this portion of the program before we send it away to Cubs pregame. And uh, you give a listen to Studzinski and Meatballs as the Bears prepare to play the Giants, and we go from there. Saturday Suckage presents Studzinski and Meatballs. Sit back and listen as the score's number one Bears fan, Adam Studzinski, unleashes his inner meatball. I got a lot of problems with you people. (laughs) Now you're going to hear about it. Welcome in. Week four edition of Studzinski and Meatballs. Not really a whole lot meatball on my mind this week, if I'm being totally honest, guys. I do want to say one thing, though. For you fans that are jumping ship on Justin Fields, y'all need to calm down. You really do. We need to be patient here. And I do understand, guys, to an extent, we've been hurt before. So when we see bad quarterback play, we just assume the guy's going to suck eternally. Give it time. Justin needs to settle in. He's got to do some things better. But... Believe, believe with me, please stand with me because I guarantee you this kid's going to get better someday this year, maybe not this year, maybe not even next year. Someday we're going to see it. I think, I hope anyway. Now I do want to also say this because I'm going to be on vacation next week and we play the Vikings next weekend. So I got to get this off my chest because I won't be here to do this next week. I hate the Vikings. 
almost as much as I hate the Packers. I love beating them almost as much as I love beating the Packers. And I cannot wait for the Bears to go and beat Kirk Cousins because that guy is such a DB. He's such a loser. He is the pinnacle of mediocrity. Just the absolute most mediocre quarterback you can get. The guy cannot win the big game to save his life. How are there some people out there saying he's going to be MVP this year? Real live NFL analysts that get paid a ton of money to talk about the NFL for a living were speculating that Kirk Cousins could win the NFL MVP this season. Are you kidding me? Those people should have lost their jobs immediately. That guy sucks. So I can't wait to beat the Vikings next week. I'll talk to you guys again in two weeks. Until then, remember, I'm pulling for you. We're all in this together. And as always, bear down. Rosie, back to you. Studzinski and meatballs, just like you ordered, ladies and gentlemen. And these reminders, these broadcasting reminders, the pregame show tomorrow on the score with Mully, Patrick Manley, Anthony Herons, presented by Bet Rivers Online Sportsbook. Bears Mondays. Whatever happens in the Meadowlands, I'll be talking. We'll be talking about it all day on the score. Bears Mondays this season are presented by Horizon Therapeutics. I want to thank Kristen. Uh, I want to thank Kristen Winsky, actually Mully and Haw for interviewing Kristen Winsky. It was a great piece. Cam Ellis for coming on. He covers the Bears for the score. And Mark Grody calling just past TSA, trying to find gate H17. He'll be reporting on the Bears. Cesar Perez, terrific job. Cubs pregame is next. It's Jason Hayward Day. Thank you, suckage years, for listening. I suck so you don't have to. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. It wouldn't have been possible if we weren't here to be told how much we suck. So kudos to you guys for sucking as bad as we do. Yes, wait, wait a minute, minute Mr. Post. Wait, wait, wait. Oh, yeah. That's it. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.